Hi friends, happy Monday. Today we are talking about how to lesson plan when you feel overwhelmed at the amount of resources available. My name is Victoria Bowler and this is episode 40 of Elemental Conversations. This is a question from Instagram that I actually got several months ago, so it's kind of old, but I've been trying to go through my list of conversation topics and kind of move everything through and clear the slate. So this question says, one thing that I struggle with is the availability of too many resources. Any tips? I wind up feeling so guilty when I don't get to a particular song or activity, but I can't do it all. I have definitely had this thought before, and I know that I'm not alone in this. Um, Part of this question reminds me of having a system to gather resources. That's the direction we're going to take this particular conversation. But another kind of angle that you could view this question with is perhaps teaching an actual lesson and not getting to everything that you've planned. So kind of over planning or managing your time inefficiently or whatever that is in the actual lesson uh, implementation. So I'm going to answer this with the lens of gathering resources, even though the lesson delivery thoughts are, or that conversation is also an important one to have. We'll just put a pin in that for another time. If you have lived on the internet for any amount of time, you have probably noticed that there are a lot of opinions. (laughs) There are so many opinions on the internet. The internet is open to everyone. Anyone can show up and announce their viewpoint on any given topic. This is huge, definitely in the music education space, but it's also in things like parenting or what types of foods you should eat for a healthy diet or how you should spend your money or what clothes you should wear, right? There are so many opinions, so many ideas out there. And while that is fabulous and I'm a huge, uh, I'm a huge fan of all things, social media and people showing up and having access to uh, all sorts of people online that they wouldn't necessarily be able to come into contact with in real life. Uh, Those people and their thoughts and their perspectives. I think that's fabulous. There's also an understanding that you would not accept anyone's suggestion on the internet just because you read it. <laughs> let's take parenting, for example. Let's imagine that uh, I am not a parent, but let's imagine that someone were to put up on Facebook, hey, how much screen time should my two-year-old have? There would be just a flood of comments a mile long, and they would range from uh, technology is something your kid has to learn, so give them unlimited access, and technology is poisoning our children, restrict all access, right? So if you just show up to the internet and say, hey, what do you think about X topic? We have to be prepared that everyone will have an opinion, and those opinions can differ widely. So we need a set of criteria that we run those options by. When that comes to lesson planning, like let's say that someone on Facebook or you know, wherever you're showing up says, Hey, I need a lesson idea for kindergarten. Uh, and I want to focus on, you know, X kind of musical skill. There will be so many comments on that one post or, Hey, I'm having a a struggle with teaching ukulele in fourth grade. What should I do again? So many, so many comments, so many ideas, so many opinions, so many thoughts, so many activities. And that I want to, I want to make sure that I have said this. I think that is really good. I think that we need each other to move our community forward. And the only way we can move forward is if people raise their hands and say, Hey, this is my perspective. The 
other piece of that is also true though. Just because we see it on the internet, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's the right idea for us at this moment in time. We need a set of criteria. If we are feeling overwhelmed by the volume, the amount of activities that we find on Pinterest, on Facebook, on Instagram, on TikTok, or for that matter, in our printed resources as well, uh, the most likely root cause of that, in my opinion, is not having a solid set of criteria that you run those activities through before you even consider adding them to your curriculum. We'll talk more about the actual criteria, but I want to jump into a very concrete solution, which is just <laughs> when you have too many ideas floating around in your head, I just like to make separate lists of things like I have a document called Someday Songs, and that is something that uh, where I find a song that I really love and I have a broad idea of how I could use it, how it might live, but I haven't really plugged it in anywhere yet. I just don't want to forget about it. You know, it's not something that I am going to implement into a lesson plan tomorrow, but it's something that I could do someday. So it goes in my Someday Songs list, <laughs> and that would just be a song and then a quick uh, note about how I might use it. It's very informal. It is not pretty. It's not color coded. It's nothing that I would put out onto the internet. It's like a scribble document. <laughs> I also have something that's called when you're out of ideas. And these are processes that I feel like I can use if I am bored or if I am burnt out in my work. I, I lesson plan a lot. <laughs> my full-time work is a lot of lesson planning. And then I also do some independent contract work. And so when I feel stuck, stuck. The irony of this conversation is too many ideas, too many activities are just as useless as not having enough activities. <laughs> so I want to give myself options for resources that I can go to when I feel overwhelmed. And all of that is to say the most simple um, piece that I would add to this conversation is if you are overwhelmed with having too many lesson ideas, my favorite way to deal with overwhelm in almost any area of my life is just to get it on paper. That way you don't feel like you have all of these, you know, rhythm sticks and jingle bells and movement activities floating around in your head. They're somewhere documented so that even if you're not going to use them tomorrow, because as the, the question on Instagram said, uh, you don't have time to do everything. We don't have time to do every song or activity, but you do have time to do everything that you care about. And that's the big distinction here. So having a running list, a running messy list of things that you want to circle back to, that is such a lifesaver because you will have times when, because you have too many ideas, you effectively have no ideas. <laughs> so if you are curating your favorites of the things that you are gathering on the internet, that can really save you a lot of stress when it's time to actually make some of these decisions. So let's jump into some of the actual processes that you can walk through to evaluate curricular ideas that you find in a conversation with a friend or at a workshop or in a book or on Pinterest or on TikTok or whatever it is. We have already talked, just to review, we've already talked about acknowledging that there are many opinions out there. And just because you read it on the internet, that does not necessarily mean that it's a beautiful, perfect, appropriate activity for your classroom tomorrow. 
We've also talked about one very simple way to approach lesson planning overwhelm in, in terms of having too many ideas, which is just to get things on paper. I know that sounds so simple. It's not even worth saying, but that is what I do. <laughs> All right, let's talk about lesson ideas and evaluating them. Here is the most important guiding foundational block of this conversation. Lesson ideas have to live up to you. Lesson ideas need to earn a spot in your curriculum. Lesson ideas that you come across anywhere need to earn their place. We do not all, I've said this before, but we do not always think of ourselves as curriculum designers. And that's fair. You know, maybe you don't necessarily create all of your activities from scratch. I don't think you need to, but we are all curriculum curators. Again, the internet is too big for us to not curate lesson ideas. The publishing industry is too big for us to not curate lesson ideas. Humans have <laughs> changed the way we think about education. We have changed the way we teach over time. And so if we are not curating these ideas, if we are not paring them down and finding the exact uh, approaches, the exact processes that our students need, we will be completely lost. So in order to do this, we will not necessarily be curriculum designers, but we will go through the curriculum planning process. That way we have a framework for evaluating musical ideas that we find on the internet, books, conversations, workshops, etc. So let's talk about Pinteresting like a curriculum curator, like the curriculum curator that we all are. In the curriculum design process, we are going to start with our values. What are you here to do? What are you here to do? Who are you serving? Because we need a very clear idea of our why, our foundational why. And we also need a clear idea of who our community is, who are we serving and what are we here to do? This is the values foundation of, is essentially our mission statement for music education. And with that lens, we get to start building on some of these more uh, practical applications of our why. That's the first thing. If you find something on the internet, it needs to be in alignment with your values, or you need to be able to see a way that you could kind of tweak it so that it is in line with your values. Something that I think about is where are the opportunities for student choice and student ownership in this activity? Is it completely teacher centric or is there kind of a handing of the materials back to the students so that they can manipulate it, so that they can explore on their own and then hand it back to me? That is the assessment process. <laughs> and that is the active musicking process of curriculum. That is, uh, maybe we could say that's a personal value for me, but I think that it might be something that a lot of other people resonate with this idea of student choice and student ownership with the material instead of having everything be completely teacher centric. So for me personally, that is a very easy way <laughs> to move things off of the, uh, off the plate for activities that you find online. Another thing that I think about is where would we go from here? Where, where is this activity leading? There are a lot of one-off lessons on the internet. And I think those are beautiful and perfect for exactly what they are. And something that I like to think through is what's the logical next step of this activity? Because even if I find a beautiful Thanksgiving lesson and I use it, well, what do I do when I get back from Thanksgiving? <laughs> what do I do? 
after that activity is done? Where does it lead? So that's the second thing I think of in this big picture map of the year. And I know we've done several podcast episodes about curriculum planning and long-term planning and thinking of your curriculum as a roadmap across the United States. When we think about taking one single activity, I always want to know where is it leading? Where's the next step? Where are we going from here? What is the next musical experience that this activity leads us toward? That can be one of the challenges of like duct taping the internet together to create your music curriculum. It can be, it can be very challenging to find a single activity and think through where it fits in this sequential uh, logical progression of concepts and skills. So all of that to say, the second thing I think through after alignment with my values is where is the activity leading? The other thing that I like to think through is where have we just been before we get to this activity? So if I am looking at something that I just find on TikTok, I would need to think through what is the prerequisite knowledge that students are using? What are the prerequisite skills that students are using? And are the students that this activity is going to be used for, are they in a place where they can engage with this successfully? So where is this activity leading and where have we been before we use this activity? If we are just going through these three questions of, does this align with my values? Does it fit into uh, the roadmap of the curriculum? And does it align with where students have been in terms of knowledge and skills? Right away, friends, that is such a uh, an efficient way <laughs> to cut out, I would say like, I don't know, 85% of what we come across online. <laughs> the question of, is it in alignment with my values? And does it fit in the structure of the sequence for the year? That those two kind of frameworks are beautiful guiding questions to make sure that there is an intention behind every single activity that we do. And we're not just duct taping the internet together for our music curriculum. Now I've mentioned these like one-off lessons that don't necessarily fit into the roadmap of your year, into the curricular sequence of your year. And so I want to clarify my position on those. <laughs> I think that having things that you do just for fun, things that you do as a one-off lesson, I think that those are incredibly valuable. I think that there is so much we can gain from activities that do not necessarily fit very clearly in the overall lesson, um, in, in the overall sequence of the year. If we wanted to use these one-off lessons in the road trip analogy that we've talked about before with curriculum design, it would be like us driving a car and the kids are like, oh, we have to go see the world's largest ball of yarn. And you're like, that does not lead us to our next destination. And that is totally fine. We can make a stop at the world's largest ball of yarn and get out and take our pictures and have a grand old time. And that can add so much to the experience of our road trip as a whole, even though that is not a necessary step on our road trip map. So if we want to, as the drivers of the car, you know, to really drive this analogy home, uh, if we wanted to decide that we are going to stop for donuts or see the world's largest ball of yarn or do a corn maze or whatever it is we're doing on this road trip, we have the ability to do that as the driver of the car. And then after we're done with that little one-off lesson, after we've done like the sightseeing thing, we get back in the car and we keep going. As the 
driver of the car, you get to choose if you are going to stop and have these, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, like just for fun, one-off musical experiences. That's totally fine. You get to make those decisions about how you're going to craft your curriculum. And for that matter, while we're talking about these kind of one-off lessons, it is so common to find something on the internet that's like a really beautiful one-off lesson. And then you say, oh, but if I just added this ostinato, then it would work for this kind of, you know, going back to the road trip analogy. Like we could keep moving forward in our road trip and we could have this really fun, beautiful kind of uh, extra experience that, that this one-off activity is leading us towards. It's possible to make these little adjustments in things that you find online by adding an ostinato, by highlighting the form, by adding a chord bordoon, whatever, whatever it is. There are ways that you can take things and adjust them to fit your needs for your students at this moment in time. This is another reason that I like thinking of all of us as curriculum designers, even though I recognize that we don't always necessarily think of ourselves in that way. All right. So moving forward, when we think about having so many ideas that we come across on the internet and feeling overwhelmed by not being able to get to all of them, a great place to start is to clarify our values and make sure that the things that we choose are in alignment with our values. We have a crystal clear set of why we are doing what we're doing, who we are serving and how we want to show up for them. The lesson ideas, the things that we actually fill our time with need to be in alignment with our values. The other thing we can do is getting, is to get clear on our personal curriculum structure. So what I, I don't mean that everybody needs to teach so and me in first grade. And so everything that you do needs to align with so and me in first grade, right? <laughs> because we will all have different sequences, especially this is kind of getting into the weeds, but especially when we get into upper elementary, there's so much variation that we typically see from program to program. That's great. Get clear on your personal curriculum structure so that you have a, a sense of the alignment and the structural fit for these activities on the internet. And then on a super practical level, like I said, it's so simple that it's almost not even worth me saying, but <laughs> because I do it, I thought I would share, uh, have a landing page for ideas. Some ideas are beautiful for someone else's classroom and they are not right for you. Some ideas are really beautiful and they are not the right fit for your situation right now. And some ideas are really beautiful and you can use them as a one-off lesson that goes under this like just for fun or um, engaging experiences category. And that's great. Some ideas are beautiful and you will use them right away in a way that is aligned to your values and the structure of your curricular sequence. Those are the ones that we want to document. Anything that is uh, like an idea that's great and not a great fit for you right now, that's where we start documenting. So great and not great for you right now, great. And you can use it as a one-off idea and then great. And you can use it in your lessons as a way that is aligned with your values and the structure of your curricular sequence. Those are the things that we want to get on paper. So they're not swirling around in our heads. <laughs> and then we have an actual place that we can go to when we are looking for the next thing to add to the stop in our roadmap. So we need a filter. <laughs> we need a filter when we go on the internet. We need a filter when we have conversations with friends. We need a filter when we show up at workshops or open a textbook. In the same way that 
We want to spend our money in a way that's aligned with our values. We want to shop for lesson ideas that are also in alignment. When we do that, when we start with thinking of alignment and structure and the big picture map of our curriculum, in the same way that we would think about our finances and we would think about our budget as wanting to spend money in a way that is in aligned in alignment with our values and our goals for our family and our future and all of our dreams. We want our money to always be serving those ideas. In the same way, we are going to shop for lesson ideas that are moving our students forward with this curriculum that is really based on our values and a clear picture of the students that we serve. So create your criteria, filter those lesson ideas through the criteria. And remember that lesson ideas, activities, songs, everything like that, All of those things need to earn their place in your curriculum. You are the curriculum curator for your students and you have everything that you need to craft an intentional curriculum that is streamlined and absolutely in alignment with what that curriculum needs to do, which is ultimately to serve your students.